Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Ask the Coach Show, episode 128. And this is the show where Ping Skills answers your table tennis questions. Interestingly, 128 is the seventh power of two. In fact, it is the only three-digit number that is a seventh power. <laughs> but today, we're going to discuss some ways to help throw the ball up accurately when serving, how much of a difference there is between in the world between the top men and the top women, whether it's better to train or play more matches, and how it's possible to beat certain players who lose to others who might seem to be stronger players. I'm Jeff Plum, and as always, with me is Super Coach Alois Rosario to answer your questions. Welcome, Alois. Thank you, Jeffrey. And uh, yes, more interesting stats on numbers. Fantastic, Jeff. Thank you. You're welcome. Love the stats. Now, it's a great day in Australia because it's Friday. That means the weekend's here, which is always a good thing, Alois. <laughs> yes, the weekend means table tennis, doesn't it? It does indeed. Yep, yep, sure. Now, um, I'm hoping that my questions will just light up magically, and um, they have, so that's brilliant. So... So let's get into the last Ping Sellers question of the day, which was, how long have you been playing table tennis? Ah, good question. Well, for me, I, started, I played my first tournament when I was nine, so that was 42 years ago. Um, yes, but I started hitting the ball up against the wall and I suppose hitting with a bat probably when I was five, so that's, you know, like 45, 46 years ago. So that is a long time. What about you, Jeffrey? Um, let me think. Probably like, you know, started just hitting a ball like in grade six, maybe, 1986. So what's that? You know, 29 years ago. That's getting up there as well. Um, yeah, so goes quickly. Um, but we, we, we have a lot of pink skillers, alloys, who have had a lot than, from table tennis than that. Yes. Are you there? Yeah, breaking yeah I'm up. there. It looked like you dropped. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, we've had some we've had some players that have had like breaks of thirty years or or sometimes even longer. Yeah, we get a lot we get a lot of our um our ping skillers and with a similar sort of uh, background in table tennis. A lot of them talk to us about um, you know, having played a lot when they were young or played a bit when they were young or at school and then um, and even played in a club and then not having the chance to play for, you know, 20, 30, 40 years sometimes and sometimes even longer. Um, and that often happens when you, you know, you start to, play, uh, to work and do all sorts of other things in your life. But then when, um, when you get a bit more time back, um, we find that these players are coming back to table tennis and finding ping skills and, you know, just trying to get, improve their games and learn, learn how to play correctly. Yeah, so we do get, uh, we do get a bit of that. Indeed. All right. Well, the Ping Skillers question of the day for today is, will you get a chance to play table tennis this weekend? So uh, we really want to hear your thoughts. You can leave a comment on our YouTube channel under this video if you're watching it there. 
if you're listening to us last, and that is a great way to listen to us, go to iTunes and listen to us on the podcast or use your favorite podcasting app, then just jump onto our website, pinkskills.com, click on the blog link, and you can leave a comment right on our website. So will you get a chance to play table tennis this weekend? Let us know. All right, now moving on to the questions, Alois. First one is from Il, who says, is there a moment of pressing with the palm or any part of the thumb just before throwing the ball into the air for your serve? And is there any techniques like holding the ball in the palm for more precise, accurate throwing of the ball? Yeah, um, so it, it's something that uh, players initially can find quite tricky. So if you think about holding the, the hand flat, often there isn't too much of an area that the ball sits on too nicely. But if you just press your thumb in a little bit like that, you'll find that you'll get a little bit of a cup happening in the middle of your hand there. And then the ball will sit a little bit easier. So once the ball's sitting on your hand um, and a little bit more firmly, then it's easier to throw the ball up accurately and straight. So if it's you know rolling around or it's a bit unstable in your hand or coming off different parts of your hand all the time, then it's hard to get a consistent throw. So, yeah, so think about that, just pushing the thumb in a little bit, get a little bit of a divot there, um, a little bit of a cup, and then it's a bit more stable. I can do that with the ball and the ball's still not going to run away. And then think about throwing the ball um, up. So another little trick that uh, we use is to put a piece of paper on, just you know, just a piece of paper like that, on the floor in front of you and throw the ball up and just practice landing the ball on that piece of paper. So that will help you to get some more accuracy with the throw. So if the ball's going up that way and not quite landing on the paper, you can just keep practicing. So throw the ball up and let the ball land and see if it lands on that bit of paper on the floor. So yeah, that's, that's another little trick that you can use. Yeah, great tip for getting that throw accurate, Alois. I guess it's an interesting topic because um, a lot of people who first come to a club and have only been playing at home wouldn't even realise about the rule about you having to have a flat um, hand and, and the ball having to be in the palm of your hand because a lot of people I see that just you know find out that I like playing table tennis and want to have a game, if I go and play them, they'll just hold the ball like in between their fingers and then just kind of serve it straight out of the hand and they've got no idea of rule, um, and it is a, a bit unusual at first, and um, yeah, it can take a bit of practice to get right. Yeah, it, it does, and and you're right. It's it's it can be quite tricky, especially when you're starting off to get that um, that basic right. So uh, one way that I explain it to, to kids, especially, is to just think about the ball being on a tray. So just having the ball on a tray first, and then throwing it up before hitting it. And as, as, as we said, it can be quite a difficult um, coordination exercise um, when you're first starting up. Just practice it, it'll get better. Yeah, and so if you're really new um, to table tennis and you know want to find out how to do you know, a really basic serve, I'll put a link in the notes to a video that will just demonstrate all the steps you need to go through to get a basic legal serve in table tennis. So check that out if you're very new to the game. All right, moving on to the next question. It is from Marv. And Marv says, I am wondering 
how much difference there is between the best men players and the best women players. Mm, interesting one, this one. Um, I think, and, and it's hard to, hard to pinpoint exactly, but I would say that the top women players in the world would come in, I don't know, I, I would say around 250 or so in the men's rankings. So um, let's have a look at who's 250 in the world. So, yeah, there's, well, Yamamoto, Katsuya Yamamoto from Japan, Adrian Dodian from Romania. You know, like, yeah, I think that they would probably even beat the top women in the world. Gavin Rumgay from Scotland. Yeah. So, so yeah, I, I, think it's, I think it's pretty interesting where they would actually fit in. Um, you know, going down to 300 in the world, um, the Malaysian guy, uh, Mud, um, that I've seen play. Yeah, I, I, think, I think that the top women would maybe beat, um, beat him. So, yes, yeah, probably somewhere around there, I would say. But, yeah, really hard to, really hard to put a finger on. Where they where they it is hard to put a finger on, isn't it? Because you don't really get to see any matches between them. You sometimes you get to see the mixed doubles, but that's totally different from just a singles match. I you know I would guess a little bit higher than two fifty. That's just my guess, but I'm um, it's an interesting discussion point. If you have an opinion on it, um, leave a comment and let us know. But yes, yeah, I, I was... might I might go even. Higher as you know, one fifty. With you know, Ding Ding's pretty good. Yeah. So David David Powell from Australia is two fifty five. Yeah, and I think David Powell a pretty good run for his money. I mean, we've got Jam Fang Lei in Australia, um, who would go pretty well against David Powell, I imagine. Yeah. Interesting, yeah. though. So, yeah, so Toriola. Interesting. Like you said, very hard to know. Toriola from uh, Nigeria is 153. Tiago Montero from Brazil, 158. Where do you think that would fit in, Jeff? I'd... Mm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's hard to know, isn't it? I mean, yeah. And I think, you know, also different styles um, might come into play as well. Like some people might prefer playing against different styles, and that may be an advantage or a disadvantage for them. And that yeah. Alice leads us on to an interesting, interesting question, Romeo, who says, "Let's say I'm able to de defeat person A. Person A is much stronger than person B, so it means I can probably defeat person B, right? Well, I ask myself, how do I defeat this kind of player?" The ant popped into my mind. Adapt. Yeah. It, um, so table tennis isn't really linear in that way, is it? So you know, I beat you. Um, you beat him. Therefore, I need to. I should beat him. It really does depend a lot on styles um, and and the way that your games match up as well. So yeah. So um, it, always interesting. You know, there's often those little triangles of. Um, of wins and losses um, that occur with it, uh, between players. I mean, it even happens at tournaments, you know, like um, three people playing in a, in a round-robin um, group and they'll all have one one win each. Happens quite often um, in table tennis. So um, I remember um, 
in the in the old days in Australia. So there were three players. There was um, Stephen Knapp, um, a, a left-hander, topspin type player. Um, Bob Tuckett, a um, another left-hander, but a blocker um, and fast blocker close to the table. And Paul Pinkowich, a chopper. And it often happened that um, Knapp would lose to, oh, sorry, Bob Tuckett would beat Stephen Knapp because, you know, uh, could block well against the, the top spin. Um, but Bob Tuckett, when he played against the defensive chop of uh, Pinkowitz, really struggled. So, and Pinkowitz struggled against the top spin type, type style of nap. So, yeah, that's something that I grew up with and, um, and made me realise from a really young age that your styles really do matter a lot. Indeed, yep. Yeah, and they were all very good players for Australia. Um, yeah, so it would have been good growing up seeing them playing alloys. Yeah, it was it was uh, good the good the good days. Indeed. All right. Next question is from Johnny, who says, "I was wondering which is better, more time in training with my coach or more time playing matches." I currently only have one hour of training each week, but play a lot more matches. Yeah, so Johnny, I, I think it's a it's a real balance, and it's a balancing act, and it, and it um, depends on um, where you are in relation to you know, are you preparing for tournaments or are you in the off season, um, that sort of thing as well. But if you've only got one training session a week or one hour of training a week. I think definitely you need to put some more time into training rather than matches. So as a balance, I would say, you know, you probably need two training sessions to one match type session. So, you know, one uh, pennant or fixtures type thing a week. Um, you'd need to be doing at least two training sessions, you know, and probably even three training sessions per week um, compared to the one one competition um session so again it, it depends a lot on um players and their um stage of development um like for example a younger player that's developing their game i would say you know you'd probably even do four or five training sessions to one competition session um but on the other scale the older players don't need to do as many training sessions compared to match or tournament type um, play so yeah it's a balance there yeah, that makes sense, I guess, because, you know, if you haven't got the stroke sort of really well grooved and you're still improving that a lot, when you're playing matches, you're kind of under pressure to get the ball on the table and it's hard to really work on that, whereas if you can just, you know, practice it over and over and over, it really allows you to develop the stroke. So I can, I can see the benefits of practice, but then, like you said, it needs a balance because you still need to know how to win points and in matches, you get a lot of, um, you know, service and return practice, I guess, which is good. So, yeah, so that makes sense that especially initially more practice and especially in the off-season, I guess, you know, maybe as you approach a tournament, you might shift that balance slightly. But, yeah, makes sense to me, Alois. Yeah so, yeah, so definitely thinking about, you know, what phase you're in as far as your uh, training as well as, as, as we've just talked about. So um, if you're closer to a tournament, so if you've got, you know, your major tournament for the year coming up in the next couple of weeks, then you'd probably um, shift your focus um, completely the other way. So, you know, three or four 
um, or, or 30, sorry, 70% of your training would probably be, you know, match play. Um, and uh, whereas in the off season, you know, so um, when you're still six months out or, or more from your major tournament, then in that situation, it'd be more about your stroke development, developing your footwork, developing some uh, major parts of your game that you want to change in training. Indeed, indeed. And for our premium members, we've got some great videos on training. There's a, a training secrets course, which outlines a lot of drills and why benefit for you and how you can improve, and plus a 52-week training plan, which gives you a new exercise each week, and it focuses on a particular topic for four weeks. So the first four weeks are on consistency, you know, so developing your stroke so you can be consistent. And then we go through a lot of different topics. And the last eight weeks are actually about preparation. So, you know, you get the full range of uh, plans to help you get ready um, for a tournament and, you know, improve your game. So if you're really interested in improving your table tennis, check out our premium membership at pingskills.com. And if you haven't already, make sure you sign up for our free newsletter where we give out lots of table tennis tips. So again, go to pingskills.com and sign up for our free newsletter. Now, um, Alice, we've got some uh, exciting news last night. And again, to be for our premium members, we were refilming um, our Pendulum Serve video, which is quite old now. I think we originally filmed that in 2007. So... You know, once I get some time to edit it, it's going to look a lot better in HD and, you know, a few little extra tips in there about your pendulum serve. So we're really looking forward to that. Yeah, that was, uh, that was fun filming that last night, uh, Jeff. It was, um, it, was, it was good just looking over the old footage again and, you know, just seeing um, how young you were then, Jeff. Like, you, yeah, that was, you know, eight years ago, Jeffrey. Um, but, uh, but I know. Uh, yeah, it, so... Yeah, I'm looking forward to uh, the new one coming out. Indeed. So everyone keep your eyes out for that. Um, well, that wraps up show 128. Thank you, uh, everybody, for watching, and thank you, Alloys. Yeah, so um, on the weekend, I'm going to be watching some Croatian Open. Um, so the Croatian Open up to the last uh, 16, I think, at the moment. And uh, our, our uh, hot tip, Mima Ito, Struggled through her first two rounds, Jeffrey. So she's in the last 16, but her first two rounds were both 4-3 wins. So um, it'll be interesting to see if uh, if Mima Ito progresses and, and a lot of other upsets um, at the Croatian Open early on. So that's what uh, I'll be uh, having a look at over the weekend. So on Monday, we'll discuss the results. Excellent. Yeah, look forward to seeing the results on uh, on Monday morning. Yeah, we'll have a chat and uh, see if Mima Ito can come through. Yeah. Great. All right, everybody. Uh, have a great weekend. Play lots of tables and we will catch you again Monday.